On today's Patriot Nation podcast, it is just me and Keegan today. No spags. He's on vacation playing some golf. Uh, we are going to talk about Julian Edelman, of course, and we will be doing a live seven-round mock draft. It's going to be a heck of a show, so buckle up and cue the music. Stack receivers, two to the right. Russell Wilson extends the hands. He has Pass. Wilson, quick throw. And it's good. All right, Keegan, here we go, man. This is your first show, just me and you. I mean, I don't know. We we're talking about, it's funny, Julian Edelman's retired. We were talking about Wally Pip the other day. I mean, I've heard a lot of Wally Pip stuff. Spags, you're out there, buddy. I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, second chair. I Maybe I make a, a good impression, strong impression. Spags is going to be out on the streets. Who knows? <laughs> no, but uh, that, that. Oh, he, that lucky guy is out uh, is out on vacation. Although you just got back from vacation, uh, you had one hell of a weekend, sir. Yeah, hell of a week. Uh, I, I'm a UMass student, so I had to senior year had to go see the boys play in Pittsburgh in the final, the Frozen Four. They won the whole thing. Uh, was able to see those two games. Um, went to the the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Went to an Indians game. It was a fun weekend. But we're back to reality. Back to the draft and trying to pump out some content for the folks, you know, trying to, that's it. Trying that's to inform. That's what we're here for. Hey, listen, we did it. We did a, a, a for a one round mock draft earlier this afternoon. Now we're doing a seven round mock draft. But before we get into that, we have to talk about Julian Edelman. Jules obviously announced his retirement. Um, came as, I, I don't want to say it came as a shock because it really didn't come as a shock. Um, I kind of didn't want to believe that it was coming. Um, but you know, obviously ends up retiring, uh, because of a knee injury. And what's crazy is that the knee injury dates back to when he was in college playing against Kentucky. And you're like, wait, what? Like college? Like you mean 2008? Yeah. Like 2008 is when he first suffered this injury and he's just been basically just playing through it (laughs) with like some cartilage in his knee, like at an NFL level. Okay. No big deal. So it's like, it's just kind of unbelievable to think about. And, and, uh, you know, one of the all-time greats uh, that have ever played for the Patriots. And I think, well, and I'll let you kind of talk about it, but it's interesting because Spags was saying he's one of his favorite players ever. You guys are on the younger side. So, like, the, this guy was, like, your guy when you were growing up. I mean, he got drafted. What the, what were you doing in 09? Were you still in diapers in 09? Yeah, like, what the I, hell? Like, 09, I think I was in fourth grade I in mean, 09. It's unbelievable. Yeah, it's you know? uh, – I – like I, we talked about it. Burned had us all write a little bit of something for the website, just kind of to tell our favorite Edelman story or whatever. And I went with the the more personal route of, you know, when I was coming up and started to really get into football, like oh nine ten, the Patriots were already the supervillains of the NFL. Yeah. No one liked the Patriots. So when I was getting into it, it was like everybody hates all these guys. Like, what is there to like about them? Brady's married to a supermodel. Belichick's this evil ogre. You know, but then here's this kid with long hair who runs around with his hair on fire. And, you know, he, yep. he gave he gave the young kids in my generation an underdog to root for. And everybody likes to root for an underdog. And he was he was that guy for us. So it was as a young, young kid, it was Teddy Bruschi because all the, you know, had the stroke, came back and played a few more years. And I always thought that was cool. And then once he was gone. One year later, here, here comes Edelman and, you know. He's been there ever since I can remember. So definitely growing up, the first jersey I ever bought myself in high school when I got my debit card and I was like, oh, I got to buy a jersey. It was Julian Edelman jersey, still have it. Just uh, I don't think there's a more lovable player that's come through in the past decade than Julian Edelman. I, I mean, can't be. yeah. And you know what? And so many people have written so many different things. But like, I, I just think 
the way he played the game is a way that not many people play it just at, at and it's funny you mentioned Bruski because you know the 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 sign that used to hang up at, at Gillette said you know full tilt full time right and it's the same thing i mean Edelman played the same way 110% every single second of every single snap i mean just like he didn't take a playoff you know and whether that was in the punt return game and like last few years it's been like get him the hell off the freaking punt return like he's gonna kill himself out there and it's yeah. like nope he's just it's what he does you know and and uh it's he's one of those guys and look we can well we'll get into the hall of fame discussion but you know what he was able to do here and especially you know as, as a as an undrafted free agent uh, as a seventh round pick i'm sorry coming from playing quarterback in college to now playing making the transition to wide receiver and then what really strikes me the most about it is 2013, his contract runs out. He leaves. The Patriots say, look, go and go and, you know, go see what's out there. Right. He goes out looking for a job and he gets nothing. Bubkiss, right. He gets nothing. The Giants offer him a, a veterans minimum contract and the Patriots say, you know what? We'll give you a veterans minimum too. Like what the hell, you know? Mm-hmm. And then he comes in, dominates in 2014, has the unbelievable Super Bowl, and then of course they give him like a four year contract, and he gets a few contracts after that. But like he was, he was gone. They were just looking to let him walk for nothing, and he came back on a veterans minimum contract, and then put together that 2014 season, and the rest is history. And it's just kind of like it's unbelievable to think he went his entire rookie contract without really making much of a dent offensively. It's it's really unbelievable. yeah, yeah. It was it was a bit of a slow burn, you know, starting out because right away you had Welker. Uh, Welker was already the best slot receiver in the league when, when Edelman right. was drafted. And I think, you know, when we talk about draft stuff now, uh, especially me, I've talked a lot about developing, you know, kind of these project guys behind the talent that you do have. And he's one of those original guys. They had a, a talented slot receiver, the best in the league, pro bowler, all pro guy. And they said, this kid's got a little bit of, little bit of that in him. Maybe we can kind of turn him into that and, and see where it goes. And it didn't work fully you know I mean he had a great rookie year if you really look back at the rookie numbers for a, a seventh round quarterback that's a hell of a rookie yeah. year he had and yeah. then 08 09 or what 9 10 9 was good 10 11 you know he didn't really play much specifically in 11 when Gronk and Aaron Hernandez and Brandon Lloyd came in you know and he's playing slot um, corner in 2011 for God's sakes yeah exactly so he was on the defensive <laughs> like, side of the ball so it right. was he was kind of just like they, they threw him out there because he knew he knew how to play football but they didn't really have a spot for him but like you said, you know, eventually he kind of carved out a role for himself. I mean, it was supposed to be Danny Amendola. Right. And that That's that was his job. Yep. Yeah. Wes left and they gave the money to Amendola and, and it didn't quite work out early on because of injuries. And then Edelman took over and that was his job, you know, clear through until a couple of days ago when he retired. So, yeah, slow burn. But one of those guys who I don't think anybody has ever outworked Julian Edelman. You know, he's he's the he, any locker room he's in, he's the hardest worker, and he's gonna he's gonna find a role for himself. He's gonna find something to do, to, something to make sure that he was of value to the team. That's that's what I think of when I think of Julian Edelman, just somebody who wants to be valuable to the team. Absolutely, and, and you know, and I think what Belichick had to say about him, and what Brady had to say about him, what Kraft had, like when you hear the things that people have to say about him, that's that's what gets me going. Is like to think about the people around him that were around the best in the world that can appreciate his greatness and what he brought to the table and how he fought every single day. And so, you know, I I really think that that speaks volumes. Now, as far as the hall of fame is concerned, listen, he's not, he doesn't deserve to be in the pro football hall of fame. He just, he doesn't have the numbers. However, they did it with Lynn Swan. They did. Joe Namath is in there for one goddamn game, one game. Now it might be the most important game in NFL history, right? But it's one game, okay? For those of you that don't know, look up Super Bowl three. You, everyone knows Joe Namath. But back then, it was AFL versus NFL, and the NFL was, like, unbeaten, could never beat them. The Packers stomped the first two opponents in the AFL in, in Super Bowls one and two. And then Namath guarantees a victory before Super Bowl three, and then they win in Super Bowl three against the Colts with Johnny Unitas and and uh, the wide Chuck Fa- – um, not Chuck Fairbanks, the wide receiver who coached the Patriots – Um. Oh, uh, Raymond Barry. Thank you, Raymond Barry. And, you know, so they were unstoppable, and they won after he guaranteed a victory, right? So it was like this unbelievable thing. 
But it's like, dude, it's one game. Like he finished his career with more interceptions than touchdowns. But either way, right? What Edelman did in the postseason is unmatched, right? Obviously, Jerry Wright finished with the second most catches of all time, second most catches and receiving yards of all time behind only Jerry Rice. And the impact that he had on games, obviously won the, the MVP in 53, but in 49, man, what mm-hmm. he did against that against the Seahawks secondary in 49 was unbelievable. I mean, the, the, the third and 14 catch over the middle, getting absolutely annihilated by Cam Chancellor. And then on the same drive, a third and eight completion as well. I mean, man, it was he was unbelievable in those moments. Yeah, I mean, I don't. They don't win any of those three Super Bowls without him, really. No I, no you, you can go go back to the you know the game winning touchdown catch against Seattle, the, the off the the shoes or whatever against Atlanta, uh, being the MVP of the game in uh, in fifty three against LA. You can make an argument they don't win any of those three without right. him. Um, but for the Hall of Fame argument, I'm a strong believer of the Hall of Fame's kind of a joke in every sport. They 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 just can't seem to get it right. Um, like I'm a I'm a big believer in the fact that Terry Bradshaw was a dog shit quarterback and he shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame just because he was dragged to win four Super Bowls. Right. Um. So a lot of like team success doesn't really play into it for me unless you're a quarterback who led the team to that success. You know, you were the catalyst of those teams. Um, I, I don't think he's a pro football Hall of Famer just because I think that's that's a place that should be held for the elite of the elite, the top. You need to be a top five player at your position for multiple years. Personally, that's just the way I look at it. Right. Um, and they have gotten it wrong before, so who knows if they you know, go ahead and throw him in because of the postseason success. But I don't think it's a knock on him at all to say that he's a first ballot Patriots Hall of Famer. Um, one of the best players at that position that we've seen in, in a long time. I, I wouldn't say he's one of the best just because I, he's not really a true slot receiver. He did a lot of other things. Um, one of the best punt returners of all t- time, but that's not a, a spot that you put in the Hall of Fame. Right. Um, but it's no knock to say that he's a first ballot Patriots Hall of Famer, uh, one of the top probably 10 players in the history of the franchise when all is said and done um, in his career. So. Yeah, I, I, it's, it's tough because the guy just retired, and you don't want to say he's not worthy of something. But right. that's the fact of the matter. You know, that's just the way it is. The hard thing for me, right? And I think this is what people have a hard time reconciling with. And listen, I, if your opinion is he doesn't, he doesn't belong in the hall, I, I don't have a problem with that. What I do have a problem with is people coming out saying he stinks and he's no better than this guy. I mean, I heard someone say like, uh, you know, he Randall Cobb was better than. Him. I'm like Randall, no. No, dude. Someone was like, he'd be the fifth best receiver on the 2011 Packers. I'm like, dude, shut up. Like, come on. Like, that's just, yeah. you know, Donald Driver and, and uh, what's it, Jordy Nelson. And, right? I'm like, no, stop it. Like, just stop. Greg that's, Jennings. That's, you know, like, right. Like, come on, dude. Like, he's better than all those guys. But, but you know, people don't want to give him his due because he was a, a small slot receiver. They look at him and they say, you know, your prototypical guy is those Calvin Johnson, Julio Jones, those guys, right? Where you're like, that's that's a man, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. and and that's not Edelman, but that doesn't mean that Edelman can't be great as well. And so, as long as you can appreciate the greatness, the hard thing for me is that I just feel like they played in five out of seven Super Bowls, right? Now he didn't play in one of them because he was hurt, but they played in five out of seven Super Bowls and won four. And well, that's his Brady. I'm sorry, they played in four out of six Super Bowls and won and won three of them, right? Yeah. Like he was in the Super Bowl every year, making huge plays every single year with the team can't you know what i mean so that's where it gets difficult for me where it's like you want to talk about that run the patriots go on that run and win three out of five you say okay they win three three out of five super bowls they don't get like you said they don't win any of those without him and you can say that about some other guys too you can say oh they probably don't win without gronk except gronk wasn't there in 2016 you know and you could say and, and gronk was a shell of himself in 2018 if we're being honest like they didn't get to the super bowl because of gronk right i mean he certainly helped them in the Super Bowl and in the AFC Championship game, but like he didn't get them to that point at all. Like he did nothing really the whole regular season. But like beyond Gronk and Brady, there's nobody else that's more important to the team in in these last three Super Bowls than Edelman. And so that's where it becomes hard to say, okay, yeah, I, I guess he's not a Hall of Famer, but like the, the importance of him. And I guess you could make the same case about Devin McCourty and guys like that. Like McCourty doesn't belong in the Hall of Fame, but like. Yeah, I mean the you know? the example that I kind of fall back on it's it's 
I would put him and Dante Hightower in the same category. Yeah. Um, I, he has the longevity over Hightower right now, but who knows how, how much longer Hightower goes. But both of them have won three Super Bowls. Hightower, just as much as Edelman, has made plays to keep yep. them in those games and, and win those games. Um, you know, same kind of situation where Edelman should have made a couple of Pro Bowls. It's, you know, right. the Pro Bowl argument's stupid. It shouldn't be used at all. Hightower's made a couple of them. Um, neither one of them have been top five at their position throughout their career. Just a lot of those things, there are a lot of parallels between those two. So I would put them in the same category. And a lot of people, if you ask them, I don't think anybody would say Dante Hightower is a pro football Hall of Famer. Like no one would argue that. Right. So if you look at it from that perspective, I think a lot of us just have love for Edelman because he's been here for so long and he's been, he's Brady's, you know, man crush or whatever. They had that relationship that everybody loved. So it's more of a want him to be in that conversation more than you actually believe that he is. But like you were saying earlier with the, um, I just lost it. You were mentioning – anyways, you were mentioning something about Edelman. You know, it's like – it's it's one of those situations where you want him to be there, but he's not quite there. So just, don't diminish the things that he did do. That's it. Just yeah. recognize that he was good. You don't exactly. have to say that, like, he belongs in the Hall of Fame. Just just give me give him the recognition he deserves. You know yeah, what I mean? There, like, are, there are great players that don't deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. He falls in that category. He was a right. great player. Just doesn't deserve to be there because that's – reserved for the the very best the the tip top players that have ever come through the league. Right. And I wouldn't be surprised if at some point like through a veterans committee or something like that he gets in simply because like you said he he has the he has the punt return as well on top of that. So he's got the he's got the receiving, he's got the playoff numbers and he was a great punt returner as well. So, you know, you can kind of with all those things combined, I guess maybe like a veterans committee at some point 20 years from now, whatever can throw them in or something, but you know, but that's, but yeah, I I think that realistically, I think, yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't necessarily belong in the pro pro football hall of fame. That being said, like you said, first ballot, like the first year it comes up, he's in the hall, like absolute first thing, like, you know, five, he's one of those guys where you, you wish they didn't have the five year rule. Cause how great would it be in in September to trot him out there and kind of give him his flowers when, when it's fresh. Um, Oh, it makes which sense they will. They which they will, by the way. He will have a game at halftime where they honor him and say, "Oh, absolutely, you know, yeah." So, which will be nice. I want him to run out. I want to. Ugh, I miss that man. Just being at games and seeing him sprint out past everyone. It was so dope. And he would yeah. like my favorite part about him. He's a lunatic. Is that like the guys, the army guys, would run out with the flags first, and then they would come out, and he would come out of the tunnel, and he would book it because he'd want to beat those guys in the end zone. <laughs> He's like, he'd hit the end zone before they'd hit the 50. He was yeah. like doing the 100 was, meter dash. He was crazy, man. He was crazy. And I did. So I ran the finish at the 50, uh, which is like a five, 5k slash 10k. I only ran the 5k, but uh, you yeah. kind of run all around the stadium and stuff. And then you finish at the 50 yard line. And so I came out onto the field. So you finish, obviously you come out at the end zone and you run to the 50 yard line. And I sprint, bro. I tell you, I was, dead like i was yeah. dead and i was like i'm pulling edelman dude and i got onto the i got into the field i got i like ran through the tunnel and i just booked it straight through and i gave like a huge fist pump as i went through like it was awesome and nobody had any idea what i was doing but i was like it doesn't matter it's for me like this is great you know so yeah that was my that was my little edelman moment so um but anyways it's uh it was it's man great player great player and he's gonna it's sad to see him go but at the same time like and we'll t- we're going to get into a seven-round mock draft. I don't think it really changes too much about their plans because I didn't really anticipate him playing this year anyways, you know? No, and if he yeah. did, you know? When when I've been doing – we've been doing a ton of stuff at Pat's Pulpit, you know, with kind of previewing mock drafts, all this stuff, uh, draft profiles, everything like that. And me and Spags have started something new this week, a top 50 big board. And when we've been writing our – why the Patriots? Why are they a fit? We've got a couple of receivers in there, and I keep writing, you know, now with Julian Edelman retired, and I'm like, that doesn't really change much because right. if it were two weeks ago, I would have written, nobody knows what's going to go on with Julian Edelman, so you can't count on it, you know? Correct. So nothing's yeah. really changed. Maybe for some people who were holding out hope. I, I mean, I was one of those guys who was holding out hope that he would get a better final game, you know, yeah. maybe, maybe come back the last half of the season and try to make a push for the playoffs or – who knows what will be in six or so months, but um, I was, yeah, I don't, I don't think, 
Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was just gonna say I don't. I just don't think it changes much. Nothing. Right. Nothing has changed today. Then you know we the the point of view we were looking at probably three four days ago. No, I don't think anything's changed. Right. So I, as everyone else, was confused when they cut him, and I was like, "Wait, what? Why would? Yeah. Why cut him? Right?" And so I assume, if you're listening to this, I assume you already know. But but you know, he can now collect a two up to two million dollars based on the CBA because he was waived because of a failed of a failed physical. So he can say that he retired because of an injury, and so then he right. can collect benefits. But that can only happen if he gets cut because of a failed physical. So that's the reason why they that's the reason why they terminated his contract, and so. Then I was like, okay, now it makes sense because I was like, what the hell are they doing? That doesn't, you know. Yeah. So luckily when I saw that, I kind of, I tempered, I, I gave myself, I was like, I'm going to give myself 24 hours before I say anything stupid, like ripping right. the Patriots. Cause, right. cause I, I remember Dante Stallworth told a story about when he broke his ankle and his last game, I think like Oh nine when they signed him for a week or whatever it was. And he broke his ankle scoring a touchdown. And Belichick said, don't tell me you broke your ankle. I'm going to cut you. And then you're going to go fail your physical, and then you're going to get the injury settlement. Right. Like, I don't. They were going to cut him anyways, but they they did him a solid by saying, "Go ahead and fail your physical, and then you're going to get this two million dollars." Because if not, I'm going to cut you before you have your physical for the week, and then you're done. You don't get the right. money. So it's right. something that they've done before, and they they made sure to do for him. Yeah. And like you saw. I think about 10 seconds after the transaction wire came out, he posted the video saying he was retiring. Like, right. It was well coordinated. They, oh, yeah. they know what they're oh, doing. Yeah. No, it was done. It was definitely done uh, with them, with them knowing what was going on. So, yeah. All right. So, we're going to do a live seven round mock draft. So, anyone that's watching right now, we've got about 20 people in the, uh, in the room right now. So, um, anyone's watching right now, feel free to follow along. You can kind of give us some suggestions as to who you think we should take. We're going to do this on uh, PFN, Pro Football Network. Uh, we're doing a seven-round mock draft. Um, we're gonna do. Here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do it fast. So in other words, we're not trading up. Okay, starting at 15, we're not trading up, and then we'll see what happens from there. All right. Because listen, <clears throat> as much as we'd like to trade up, okay, we trade up all the time. This always happens, right? We're always trading up. So like. For once here, we're just we're not going to trade up. We're going to play it at 15, and we'll see what happens. If one of the guys drops, one of the guys drops, and then we'll see what happens. We don't have the time tonight for the, for the trade back. So Exactly. That's it. Yeah. So, All right, so here we go. Oh, my, uh, my little thing isn't working. Hold on. Oh, never mind. It was working. Look at that. Look at that. Look at that. Here we go. All right. No big surprises here. Oh, Sertain went early. Yep. Top four picks for quarterbacks. Yep. Elijah Vera Tucker. All right. So now we got a few trade offers. Okay. So we're at 15 and we can take a look. So we can, we can kind of ignore these and take a look. But so we have uh, 26, 59 and Cleveland second next year. Not that bad. Is a delicious offer. I'll Not say bad that. at all. Uh, the, the Broncos offering 40, 71, they're second, third, and fourth next year. My God, dude, they're just throwing a million picks at us, huh? Okay. And then lastly, the Bears for 20 and 52. That's pretty nice, too. Yeah, that's great. That's um, pretty sweet. So, all right. So, let's take a look at who's on the board, though. I wish we could get. Oh, there we go. Like, I wish I could get rid of this thing. There we go. <laughs> all right. So, can I just ignore this somehow? Maybe not. Do I have to accept it before I do? Oh, no. Okay. Uh, yeah, just click okay. out of it. So Mac Jones is on the board. Micah Parsons is on the board. JOK is on the board. Aziz Onjolari, uh, Christian Barmore. I mean, blah, blah. So beyond that, nobody else really. So I think a trade back, unless, unless you think Mac Jones is the guy. Mac Jones isn't the guy. Never has okay. been, never will be. Uh, okay. No, a trade back. So the, the only realistic options I would think about here are uh, JC Horn, one of the top three tackles, which I don't know if Darisaw's up there, but I think it's still a little bit of a reach at at fifteen. Darisaw went thirteen. Yeah, and then one of the one of the receivers. So all three of those guys are gone. So you, you kind of have to trade out here. They made your decision for you. Okay, so there you go. So let's trade out. So do you want to take? So the question is, do you want to take twenty six fifty nine and a second next year, or do you want to take twenty and fifty two? I think it's kind of. I think you kind of have to take the first one, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean. 
recoup as much value as possible. You're only dropping like what six spots. You're only six dropping you're only dropping six extra spots and uh, six extra spots in in the first round, seven extra spots in the second round. But then you're picking another like an extra second next year. I think that that's yeah. that outweighs that right. So all right, let's do that. Although, I mean, would you? Yeah, I guess. Like, if you traded twenty six for twenty, would would that would a second round pick next year be enough to go from twenty six to twenty? Probably. Uh, I like I like this scenario because you're you're kind of letting other people make your decision for you a little bit. Yeah, yeah. That extra six spots, the the guys that are going to be gone, you're you're really going to have a good idea of the value that's left. Twenty. I, I've said it like a thousand times in this uh, during our live mock drafts. From fifteen to twenty-five is a wasteland. There's nothing good there. <laughs> <You're> <laughs> right. You don't want to be point. picking there. So, I like that. all right. So let's do that. So we'll do. So we'll take this one. So we're going to Cleveland, twenty-six fifty-nine, and their second-round pick next year. Which, by the way, interestingly enough, is is a is a uh, very similar to what I took in my uh, in my latest mock draft for the Patriots. All right. So uh, here's our at twenty-six. We have two offers again. We have the Rams offering everything. They don't have any first-round picks to offer, so they can't do that. Uh, but for 26, they're offering 57, 88, their next year's second, next year's third, and Miami's seventh next year. My God, dude, that's a lot of that's a lot of picks. All right. And then uh the Giants are offering 42 and 76 for for 26. So let's see who's available on the board. So uh at the top we have Travis Etienne. No, thank you. Uh Jamin Davis. Joseph Osai, Creed Humphrey, Zavin Collins, Tevin Jenkins, Jason Owe, Trevin Morig, Terrence Marshall Jr. I don't know. I like, I like the idea of, of pulling a Belichick and moving back twice. I I think people the value in this so draft. Pissed. Yeah, people are going to be in real life. People would be pissed. But <laughs> I think the value of this draft comes on day two. Like yeah. the, the if you're not in the top ten, that that's where the real value comes. So. I think if you move back, you. I mean, what do we have? Four or five picks on day two now. If we accept one of those trade yeah, we offers, a, we'd have a bunch. So right now, right now we're at. Um. So we have twenty six. Obviously, we have forty six, fifty nine, ninety six. And so, if we accept one of those trade offers and we move back, we pick up two more in the second in, in day yep. two. So yeah, so five you, picks in the second round. I like that idea. Okay. So let's do it. So we'll we'll take uh you want oh my god, dude. Are we taking the Rams pick? So ridiculous. <laughs> I think I think you go with the second one just so you're not jumping back so far. Right. Right. So we'll go back 76. just to just to 42, and then we have 42 and 76, and then we also have 46 as well. Right. Right. So we have 42 so you, and 46. Yeah, Trust you're me. you're building a bridge from that 46 and 96 pick right. that you have so oh my I like God. that people people are so mad right now so, I mean so mad no one's even commenting they're so pissed they're just like screw these guys um uh, all right okay so we have another two more trade offers in case we want to trade back again so the Vikings have offered 78 their second and fourth next year for 42 and the Browns again have offered 89, 91, 110 in the third. I mean, this is just stupid. I mean, I can't, I'm sorry. We can't. Let, let's, this. yeah, let's make a, a pick before we so, just trade all the way out of the draft. <laughs> so we have Jason Owe, who I think is a great value here at 42. Uh, Jason Owe, Afitu uh, Melifanwu, uh, Obi's brother, Alex Leatherwood from Alabama, Pat Fryermuth. If in case we want another tight end, we can run zero five, uh, <laughs> zero five Levi, uh, on Wuzurike. Yes, Baron Browning is there. Oh boy, I, I was oh waiting for you to get to him. Let me tell you right now, that's the pick. And yeah. if if things unfold this way, you know, come the end of the month, that's who they're picking because Baron Browning is a stud athlete. And this could be the ahead. pick at 26. No, exactly. Like you know I saw I mean? Davis up there, and I got a little bit, a little bit giddy. But if you're moving back to 42, and you're getting a guy that's a better athlete and right. has more more experience and and multiple spots, like you can't beat that. Yeah, unbelievable. So all right, so we're going Baron Browning at 42. Love it. Yeah, great, it. great pick. Oh my boy, my boy went 45. Right before we we're gonna, not that we we're gonna take another linebacker, but Nick Bolton. Take two linebackers at like four spots <laughs> a, apart. <laughs> Let's like they did with tight ends last year. Uh, so the Vikings again. Vikings really want to get up, man. 
They are at 78. They're trading. They're offering 78, 119 in minutes in their second round pick next year. No, thank you is what we're going to say to that. I assume, right? Yep. That's what I assume. At least I'm going to say no. I think, I think Pat left. I think Pat's gone. Wanted nothing to do with this live stream. So we're going to try to get him back. Just give us a couple minutes and we will be right back. And we're back. We're back. <laughs> Sorry about that, people. Uh, yeah. Okay. Let's go back to sharing screen here. Technical get difficulties. It happens to the best of us. Dude, I'm like, what? I'm like, why can't I click on this? And I'm like, I got well, a text. And I looked up. I was like, oh no. I got a text from a viewer. It said, oh no, I was watching <laughs> bad news. Uh, all right. So, so all right, we're back. We're we're live. We're back. Um. So, oh boy. I don't know, dude. Yeah, Elijah so, Moore is still there at 46. I think let's let's hit the offense tab. Let's look at the receivers. Just kind of All see right. where we're at in terms of the grand scheme. Yeah, of things. so receivers, I think we, have, we have the receiver. we have the, the Moore brothers. Yeah, we have uh, Diami Brown, Amon Ross St. Brown, Amari Rogers, Nico Collins, Dwayne Dwayne Eskridge, Tylen Wall, so on and so on and so on. So I think we're we're gonna be a little bit apart on this. I know you like Elijah Moore. And mm-hmm. I like Elijah Moore as well. I think the better value is with Amon Ross St. Brown. I mean, everybody knows that's my guy. Right. Um, I think he fits a little bit better in terms of the slot role in New England because you need to you need a guy who knows how to read a defense, first of all. And I don't think Elijah Moore does. <laughs> he he was a here, here, hey, here's your route, go run it. We're gonna throw you the ball guy. Right. At Ole Miss. Uh Amon Ross St. Brown knows how to read a defense. He plays extremely well against zone defenses and has a little bit more of that toughness factor. Not as good of an athlete, obviously, but he's a guy who's going to get the ball and he's he's going to fight for extra yards. Great at the point of attack. Um, I'm super high on him, but I'll leave this one to you. I'll let you make the decision. So, so the sun god is your guy. So, but the question is now: Can we wait for the sun god? Exactly. So I, I would not pick him here. Um, right. I do like if we go back to defense. If you look at the edge rushers, Carlos Basham. I am very high on. He is a yes. run stuffing five technique. Just impossible to stop against a run. So could he play? Because we assume they're going to be playing a three four. Could he play right. the three four? Right. That's what you're saying. Yeah. So he's a he's a three four. Mm-hmm. Like if you've got a five tech on one side, he's and like then a three got, four D end essentially. Yeah. Exactly. If you've right. if you've got him playing five tech one side, and then. Like Matt Judon is a stand-up six, right? And then if you can if you can somehow get Chase Winovich to play a will linebacker spot, which is tough because you're kind of taking away that pass rush centric playing style, right? Um, I think that's his best spot. Golly, um, like that's, in this scenario, but it's tough. Well, now Jason Owe is there too. See, the, the problem. This is the problem, right? I like Jason Owe. The the his pro day was stupid. I mean, just yep. stupid. The problem is, is that a guy like that doesn't really fit with the Patriots. He's not. He he's, is. He is a one down guy, and that's just yep. not. That's not what the Patriots want, especially in the second round. That's not what they're drafting. Yeah, he's third and long. That's when you can play him, and you cannot play him at any other point, which right. is. I don't even think he's an option. You know, there are guys who, even though they're good football players, won't make a team's board. I would be willing to bet a lot of money he's not on the Patriots board. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So let's go bash him here because I like the idea of that. We're going all defense. Like people, I mean, people are rioting in the street right now. We traded we've back got something, out of the. We traded we've got back out of the. We've, we've I love got Almond Ross St. Brown on the back burner. See? There you go. All right. Okay. So here we go. So bash him at 49. And we're back on. The, oh, look at that. We want to trade back. Ooh, trading back at just a few picks. I don't mind that. Green Bay's offering uh, 62 and a fourth round pick next year for 59 and 252. Two what does two? Well, I, I like doing these because then the seventh rounders go away. And I'm like, I don't have to worry about picking this. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, <coughs> excuse me. Um, and then Jacksonville's offering us 65 and 145 for 59. Uh, I actually, I kind of like the. Um, I kind of like this this trade from the Packers. Um, let's go ahead and do it. So let's do it. I like it. Pick up a fourth next year as well. 
and only costs us three spots. So, and then you know, it's just like the exact same trade is being offered to us by Jacksonville again. <laughs> where I'm good, we're all set. Oh, wait a second. Uh oh. Uh oh. No, no, no. I'm on the defensive tab still. And guess who's second down from the top? It's my boy. It's so boy. <laughs> I'm gonna. I'll play this one. You know, safe or smart. Yeah, he's not a fit. No, he isn't. You're right. He, he's he really just, isn't. I wish he was a fit, especially like if we didn't take Carlos Basham two seconds ago. Right. I would say you know he he's a, he's versatile as hell. He can play the five tag. So I I would talk you into it, but. I can't. We just took Basham. <laughs> By the way, we're talking about Davion Nixon. For those of you yeah. that haven't listened to anything that Keegan has said the entire offseason, uh, his whoopee is Davion Nixon. And I don't blame you for that. And uh, Amon Ross St. Brown is still there. And so let's go ahead and do it before he gets taken by someone. Real, real quick. Let's. Yeah. I want to see what is our next pick after 62. So that's a good question. That's actually that's a really good point. Our next pick is 76. So, so what is Amon Ross St. Brown ranked? 72. 72. Yep. Yep. So we're going to be cutting it awfully close. But are you looking at someone in particular? I'm thinking just like offensive offensive tackle. I want to see so who's left. Eichenberg is there. <clears throat> Excuse me. Eichenberg, Spencer Brown, Walker Little, Jalen Mayfield, Brady Christensen, Jackson Carmen, and then Deontay Smith. Now you start getting into it's like some of those project type guys. Yeah. You know? I mean, I think. I like Mayfield probably in this spot if we were to take one. I yeah. I really like Spencer Brown late, like a fourth round, fourth right. fifth round option. Yeah, I don't know. He won't last that long here. Uh, they no. have ranked a little high, but um, I think I think here taking a tackle just because the situation at tackle right now, you've got two guys on one year deals deal. essentially, right? And then you're you're going into next year with Jalen or. Justin Heron and Michael and Wenu and Yadni Kajus yeah. if he ever plays football. So right. I think you kind of have to take a tackle here. It's not a bad idea. Certainly not a bad yeah. idea. And and even still, right? So even if the sun god is gone, right? Rondell Moore is there, he'll most likely be gone. Diami Brown is there, Amon Ra, and then yep. my boy, my two guys, yep. Amari Rogers and Nico Collins are both still there too. So yep. so I do think I do like the idea. Now, if you if you like Mayfield better than the other guys, I think it makes sense to go ahead and do that because I'm okay with Amonra, Amari Rogers, or Nico Collins. Any one right. of those would be fine with me. So I think it makes sense. Let's go, Jalen Mayfield here, um, and we'll we'll start 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 stockpiling some assets on the offensive side of the ball as well. Right. So. All right, so Mayfield gets taken there. Rondell Moore uh, gets taken right away. Uh, Amon Ra did go in there. but ah, Son of a bitch. But if you look at what's there, so we got one trade offer, but we're not, we're not even look at that. No. So if we kind of come back, Rondell Moore. So this is what's interesting, right? Rondell Moore goes. Quinn Miners goes. Amon Ra goes. Diami goes. Joe Tryon goes. I like He's an interesting prospect as well. Again, not really a fit here, though. But what's interesting yep. is that we took a tackle, and in between that pick and this pick, Eichenberg went, Walker Little went, and Spencer Brown went. So right. three tackles went in between. So great decision there to take a tackle because the neck the now the best tackle rated on the board is Brady Christensen. So and again, not to not to throw shade on Brady Christensen, but like we're down the list as to where we wanted to be. Yeah, I mean, are you taking are you taking the eleventh best tackle on the board as your right. swing guy, uh, and right. possibly somebody who's going to make some starts this year? No thanks. Yeah, not ideal. Not ideal. So, uh, so I mean, I think we should go ahead and take my boy, Amari Rogers. Yeah, uh, and listen, yeah, this I, is very cyclical for anyone that's listened to to me talk about about Amari Rogers. He's he's a kid of the Brady Six. Like he is a child of the Brady Six. His father was a member of the Brady Six. T Higgins. T Higgins. T Martin. Yeah. T Martin. Sorry. T Higgins is the wide receiver. I'm like, wait, what? T Martin was his dad who was T Higgins was his teammate. <laughs> That's true. Good point. See? Oh. Uh was a member of the Brady Six. And uh now that's his dad. So like it's pretty cool. So honestly, the thing with Amari Rogers is that I just wanted to play for either New England or Tampa. That's all. Just have him play for yeah. New England or Tampa. Like it just it really should be that way. So um, but Amari Rogers is the pick here, and I I mean I love it. I swoon. I swoon at the thought yeah, of Amari he's, Rogers. He's another guy who's like a great fit, kind of. Yeah. He's tough as nails. That that's a running back who plays 
like slot receiver. He's yeah. a damn tank. So I, I, I really like that pick. Love him a lot. Um, so, okay. So two trade offers, the, the Colts are not moving all the way back. I'm sorry. I'm not doing that. And then uh, well, Detroit is offering yeah. 101 for 96, but I, I mean, like, what are we doing? not getting anything out of it. There's no reason to do that. So, yeah. Um, all right. So let's see. Offense, defense. What, what are we thinking here? Brady Christensen is the best available. Now, do we want to start looking at a quarterback, perhaps? Davis yeah, Mills. I mean, so Jamie Newman is ranked 160. Is that seven? Yeah. 167 is that's a hell of a value for Jamie Newman. He'll go sooner because he's a quarterback. Right. Um, we're at what are we at? 96 here, and then what's our next pick? 120. So we're at 96, and we have 120, 122, 139, 177. 188 and 197. I, I think taking a, a quarterback top 100 is a little early. Yeah. If you're not getting one of the top I was five. Say, unless, I guess, unless we get one of the top five guys. Right. So I think it's a good move here to maybe double dip at wide receiver. Ooh, I love that. And not see, we're making the people happy. The people are coming around. They're coming around on the draft. They're like, okay. They're like, all right, we're back in. You reel me back in. Now the question is, if we are going to double down, we have Dwayne Eskridge. Tywin Wallace, Tutu Atwell, no thank you. Amir Smith Marseille, uh, Marquez Stevenson, Seth Williams, Jalen Darden, Demetric Felton, who I think is a running back, but either way. Yep. Anthony Schwartz, who is just like, go run. Okay. Yeah. A track like, star. Sorry, bro. He's not a he's not a wide receiver. I mean, fine. I, I get no problem with him, but he's a track guy. Yep. Uh Dwayne Eskridge, is that the guy you're looking at here? Or yeah, I mean, so I think what he brings to the table, especially in this offense, is what if Nelson Aguilar doesn't, you know, work out? Right. That's Nelson Aguilar. Yeah. Really. A little bit shorter, a little bit stockier, but plays a very similar game. And I think the more of those guys that you have, um, especially in a year that we're kind of going into where we have the receiving core is like we haven't seen oh, any nice. of them play football. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I, th- I think it's a good shout out to get kind of a lot of guys who have similar skills and see kind of who the best one is. Right. Well, this is the thing. I mean, listen, if you're at 15 and Jalen Waddle drops you at 15, like, sure. Okay. Right. Fine. Devonta Smith drops you at 15. Okay. I'll think about it. Right. Like, but you know, realistically now it does make sense to kind of play this out. Whereas you're throwing darts at the dartboard, right? You're just saying, Hey, you know, Amari Rogers, good player. I feel like he can contribute. Boom. Dwayne Eskridge, good player, really fast. I feel like he can contribute. Boom, let's see what happens, you know? Yeah, so, so the way I look at it is in the slot, Jacoby Myers is probably going to be the primary guy this year now that Edelman's gone. Behind him, you have Amari Rodgers. Yep. Kendrick Bourne's probably going to be the primary. I I don't like putting labels on what they're going to be doing because no one knows, right. but let's say Z um, and a guy who's going to play mostly in like the short intermediate game and in the red zone. Nikhil Harry's right behind him. You have Aguilar on the outside who's going to play your vertical game. Put somebody behind him, and now you're too deep at all three positions. That's right. something they haven't had in a long time. So Exactly. Yep. I with like Eskridge, it. that's exactly what you're doing. You're going too deep at all three wide receiver spots. Love it. Love it. All right, so Eskridge is the pick, and we're going through. We are at 120. So uh, let's take a look. Let's go back to the quarterbacks at 120. So we have Kyle Trask and we have Jamie Newman. Kyle Trask is interesting because like the more some people hate Kyle Trask. I don't know if you're one of those people that hates Kyle Trask. I hate Uh, one of those people. And so I have no problem with that. I don't. Here's my thing. Right. And this is and I've always been honest about this. I'm not a film guy. Like I, I watch some film. But I'm not, you know, I'm not a tape eater. Like some of you guys, like you, you just, you go through it and you breaking things down, this and that. I'm a weirdo. You can and say I'm it. not, I'm just not like that. And that's okay. I, I wish I was like that, but I don't have the time. I literally do not have the time to do that. So like, you know, it's, it's a challenge for me. And so I kind of, I just try to listen to people and then it's like, okay, some people really like them. Some people hate them. Some people like on the fence. And so listen, I think. I think Trask makes sense for the Patriots because he's he's a prototypical Patriots quarterback. Right. He doesn't move very well. He's kind of in the pocket, but he is a little cerebral. He does, but I don't know if he can make the throws. I don't know if he has the arm strength to actually physically make the throws. Yeah, this you is, know, like my, 
Yeah, my problem with Trask is it's it's not just the fact that he's a statue. P- people say that about Mac Jones. This guy's a statue. He right. his he's probably he probably has the the worst footwork out of any you know top four round quarterback I've seen in like it's three or four years. Like it's bad. Yeah, and it's not just that, but he doesn't have the arm strength. Like you see a lot of these guys, like Brock Osweiler, who had no footwork, but the guy could throw the the football a mile. Like right, that's not Trask. Yeah. So the redeeming qualities that you're getting out of him are he he can throw people open. He's he's pretty accurate and he was good in the Florida system, but he was also there for five years. He was there for three and a half years before he ever touched the field. Yeah, not great. So like if you want him to sit for three and a half years and then try it out, like that's all right. But I don't think that would ever be a spot that I would put him in. You know, that's just yeah. I don't I just don't think he's worth the project. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I and agree with you. I think like Newman has kind of some of the similar. He's obviously he's an athletic guy. Newman, he can run the ball. He's got pretty good footwork and he's got the arm strength. His thing's just the accuracy and the consistency. But he also didn't play football for a year. And then they threw him out in the senior bowl and he flashed. But he also looked like garbage during the game. So, yeah, yeah, it's just, it's, you know. It's one of those things. What did they look like after a year off? Trask looked better, but if you're having a guy play every day, I'd much rather take a shot on Jamie Newman, who's got the tools, and you could kind of work him into what you're doing. Then, agreed. Trask is a shot in the dark. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah, I mean Newman looked awful, and you know I've heard Mike. I, I let we love the two. Oh, me and Spags love the two for one podcast. I, two for one draft podcast with uh, with Austin Gale and Jeremy and Jeremy. I almost said Jeremy Renner. Mike Renner. Um, <laughs> But, you know, and he said, he's like, I don't know how you could draft Newman before the fifth round. I think fourth yep. or fifth round would be okay. Like, I, I do. Like, I, I think you could certainly wait till the fifth. But if you really feel like he's the guy that you want to bet on, I got no problem doing it in the fourth. You know, I, I think then you're just splitting hairs at that point, right? It's like, okay, yeah. fourth, fifth, what difference does it make, you know? Yeah, so, like, sorry to cut you off, but like, no, if, I'm Det- if I'm Detroit and I've got, Jared Goff right now starting, and then you're looking at a project guy. Newman doesn't make sense because that's not a guy that you want him learning behind because they don't play right. a similar game. He doesn't play a similar game to Newton, but it's a hell of a lot closer than anywhere else, you know. Exactly. And I think it's it's probably the best scenario you could put him in as uh, what's this, the end of the third round and or beginning of the fourth, right? That's yep. for this spot. I think New England's the best scenario for him just because he's not he's not quite Cam Newton. You you don't want to just be like oh he can kind of run and he's got a strong arm he's Cam Newton but he's got some of the similar traits and he can learn from him and you know all the leadership stuff that we've talked about a million times that's it's a good spot for him. Agreed. By the way, uh, in some non NFL news, uh, I'm getting some getting some text messages over here. Uh, the White Sox had a perfect game going in the ninth inning, one out in the ninth, and he hit. The guy, dude. Oh, that's tough. Oh my god, dude. Brutal. Anyways, just you still got the no-no going. I, I, from what I understand, I think so. Uh, I just got. It's not bad. He was two outs away and he hit the batter. Devastating is what I got. What's What's the score? Because it's probably two nothing. He's gonna let up a bomb right now and then not even. Oh my god! Not get the no hitters. Not even get a win. Like, oh, that's somebody. Somebody Red Sox pitcher got a no hitter and lost. Um, because he he like hit a guy. Or he walked a guy, and then there was like a few like errors, and pitch. they lost yeah. one nothing or something stupid like that. Uh, okay, we just did all that talking about about quarterback, and I'm not taking a quarterback here because <laughs> we're two picks away, and we have, we have two picks almost back to back. One twenty, one. I didn't even see my guy, and my dog Tyler Shelvin. Oh yeah, on the board. Oh yeah, gotta do it. Gotta do it. One twenty. Gotta like, take. Come it. on, dude. That guy. Bro, you posted the RAS of him the other day. It's hysterical. It's hysterical. It's so I mean, funny. it's so bad. It's 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 unbelievably bad. Well, but he's Brian Phillips a- pointed out he was like he had a horrible rating for height and then an elite rating for weight because he's like three hundred and fifty eight pounds. The guy's yeah. huge. Yeah, he's a monster. He's an absolute he's a mini cooper. He's a li- like he's the size of a mini cooper. <laughs> he is. I would like he. They were looking for a guy to play the nose. This is the yep. guy. Like he's the guy. Ali McNeil can do it as well. I think Ali McNeil is probably going to go earlier because he has some of the. He's an athletic he's, guy. He's not Vince Wilfork, but he has some of those Vince Wilfork like traits. Tyler yep. Shelvin is just a moose who's just in the yep. middle. He's just going to eat up a ton of space. 
And, you know, and in the fourth round at 120, when you're running that type of offense, like, Jesus Christ, sign me the hell up, dude. Yeah, and uh, I, I wrote about him a couple months ago, and people were talking about the defensive tackles that they had on the roster already, and then they went and signed a bunch of guys. None of those guys are nose tackles. Not a single one. It's, they've got Godchow plays like a, a, a 2i3 tech. Um, Lawrence Guy has never been a nose tackle, never will be. He's he's best suited in a 4-3 defense. That's why I, I thought they weren't going to re-sign him. Tyler Shelvin is a nose tackle. You throw that guy head on with the center, and you tell him, the A-gaps, those belong to you. Don't yep. F it up. That's right. pretty much what it is. Awesome. Yep, love it. Uh, by the way, quick update here. Struck out the next batter. They're up 8 nothing. One out away. Oh, game over. Ground up to first. No, no, intact. Nice. One Who hit, was it? One hits batsman. Away. I have no idea. Pits for the White Sox. I'm, I'm not sure. Was it is. Giolito? Oh, Carlos Radon. Carlos Radon. There you go. Look at that. So no hitter, but not a perfect game. One hit batsman away from a perfect game. 99 um, miles an hour on his 110th pitch. Whew. What a beast. Okay. Got a cannon. We did all. Could you imagine if we did all that talking about it and then Jamie Newman got <laughs> taken 121? But he didn't. Know, right? He didn't. So we're going Jamie Newman at 122. Although, well, I mean, we could wait theoretically, but we might as well not wait. We're at 139 as the next pick. Like, I've got no one else in my mind. Let's just take Newman. Let's just do it. I mean, Jesus Christ, we just talked about him. Imagine, yeah, let's not do that. (laughs) All right. So Newman goes at 122. And then uh, it's a good thing we did because Kyle Trask went uh, the next few picks. Now, theoretically, you know, could have still been Trask, but you never know, right? So we're at 139. We have no trade offers. And I mean, I don't know. I'm not sure what Safety. you want to do. Caden Stearns, the top guy on the board. Yes. You like it? I've I've told your I've told the story on the podcast before when I was a guest. I played against him in high school, so I'm a little bit a little biased. I'm, a, I'm a little bit biased. He returned one of my punts for a touchdown. This guy <laughs> is the most athletic human being I've ever seen in my life. Like crazy athlete. And then you know, looking, watching him throughout his college career, um, I'm I'm actually I wrote about him today, and it'll be releasing tomorrow. Um, a little bit about him. He is quintessential ball hawk center field. Throw him back there, and when you're playing like cover four, he's the guy that you want playing strong safety next to Devin McCourty. You know where he can yeah. he can play that deep third of the field, but also come down and lay a hit. I, I, I just think he's perfect for if you're going to carry a fifth safety, which they're going to keep the four that they've got on the roster. If you're going to carry sure. a fifth guy, it's got to be that robber type. Yep. Uh, I mean, his comp is Deron Harmon, and that's I mean, the role that Deron Harmon played. So Deron Harmon here, I remember when he was a, when he was a, a, um, a free agent, and you know, I was talking to someone that someone that knew. Uh, the organization pretty well. And, you know, Felger Maz was sitting there saying, ah, Jerron Armand sucks. Let him walk and this and that. And, and the guy said, like, listen, like the organization, no, like he is, he's like priority number one to bring back. Yep. Like he, you know, he was very undervalued by the media here because his job was to, to GTFB, as, as Felger would say, like, you know, yeah. that's just stay back there. Don't let anyone behind you. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. just don't do that. I remember Seattle. Who the hell was the safety in Seattle? He got smoked twice in Seattle. Um, this is years ago. But he got smoked before twice. Thomas. Who was it? Was it before Thomas? Was it like Jordan Babineau? No, no, no. It was the Patri- it was Patriots safety. And he oh. got smoked. I forget who the hell it was. But he got was smoked Was that like that twice. 2012 game where they got smacked and Richard Sherman, the UMAD bro? I think um, so. I think so. I can't remember who the hell it was. But I keep thinking way, about Steve Gregory. Yeah, no, it wasn't him. <laughs> but um, but I forget I forget who it was. Either way, but the point was is that like he gets beat once and then he does exactly the same thing like in two quarters later. And you're like, what the hell are you doing, buddy? Like you already know he's gonna run by you and you let him run by you again. Like, god damn it. Yeah. Like, you know, those, and it's like that stuff that Belichick just cannot possibly you just can't deal with that stuff, you know? Yeah, those those guys always get a bad rap too because they're they're the last line of defense on big plays. So they're right. the last guy you see on like a 40-yard bomb. You're like, oh, this right. guy sucks. But he's the one who right. made the, the saving tackle that the guy didn't score. So Right, right. Uh, so. It, it's a lose-lose situation for those guys. But I love Caden Stearns. Yeah. I, if he ends up in New England, I'm going to I'm gonna have an in. You know, I'm going to be like, hey. Hey, remember up, when pal? you returned that punt for me? And he's like, yeah. who? Who are you again? I've got the I've got the huddle <laughs> highlight ready so I can show him and be like, hey, look. <laughs> that's me. Oh, my goodness. 
That's great. All right, here we go. Caden Stearns at 139. And uh, here we go. I'm pretty sure we only have two picks left. Here we are at 177. And so we have we have three picks left. 177, 188, and 197. So a guy on here, and we've already taken two quarterbacks, two, uh, two wide receivers. A guy on here that I like is Josh Palmer. I like him right. quite a bit. Uh, Benjamin St. Juiced, I like quite a bit. Um, you know, corner out of uh, out of Minnesota. Minnesota, yep. You know, big dude. I like him quite a bit. Um, you know, maybe a little bit of a comp to Joe Juan Williams, but like, you know, I like Eliza Mitchell. Eliza Mitchell, bro, put on a show at his pro day. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's a guy, too, that he hasn't necessarily – he didn't catch a ton of balls out of the backfield at, at Louisville. Uh, I'm sorry, at Louisiana. But yep. I liked – the speed is just ridiculous and and the quickness is great too so like i wouldn't necessarily be surprised if they went after a guy like him um so eliza mitchell is a guy that that is on the board as well that i like ben mason's there if we want to take a fullback which we don't but i mean you know theoretically oh i do i won't make you take a fullback (laughs) but i do want to take a fullback so um um, we could also do a kicker oh god please don't (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I um I I like I like St. Juiced. I I know yeah. you like Mitchell a little bit, but I think I like uh Kenny Naganu. Uh he's okay. a running back out of Iowa State, I believe. Got um it. he reminds me a lot of early Georgia Sony Michelle. Okay. Not what Sony Michelle has become, you know, post knee injury and kind of Yeah, yeah. Like ha- having trouble staying on the field. Ganu's got speed on speed on speed. He's he's a kick returner guy, and I think he can kind of develop into a, a pass catching role. And I think there are a couple other guys who can do that later on, like okay. Puka Williams, who's just a straight up track star. Right. Um, I like St. Just a lot. I, I don't think you're getting anything was, out of Joe Juan Williams right now, so why not take another shot? You're not, and and I agree with you there. I mean, like take a guy who's similar to him, similar build, big guy. Um, you know, and we keep addressing. It's funny because if you said to me, what's the best, you know, what's the, the strongest part of the, of the Patriots is their secondary. Right. But now this is going to be the second pick that we've, that we've spent on secondary. And I think it's, I think it's completely, completely well worth it, you know? And again, look at what we've done here. Linebacker edge tackle wide receiver, wide receiver, D tackle safety corner. Like, this is a this is a Bill Belichick draft. This is a yep. this is a Patriots draft, drafting for defense. Especially guys in. You've got you've got what like seven? They've got like seventy nine guys on the roster right now. Like that they're, they're chock full. Right. So, on uh, in terms of the guys that you're gonna be picking, you need to you need depth, and you need depth kind of right away because a lot of these guys are gonna make the team, and you're gonna be cutting a lot of veterans and stuff like that. So you need to make sure that all of your bases are covered. And that's why we're kind of taking one guy from each position during this draft. Right. I agree. So I, I, I'll be honest with you. I'm tempted to take Josh Amater, uh, Amater baby simply because of the 46 and a half inch vertical. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think he can play football very well, but like 46 <laughs> and a half inch vertical is just stupid. Um, so, but I don't know. I will tell you, I, and I know, I know you're going to be pissed at me. I, like Riley Patterson from Memphis, I don't hate it. I don't. I don't hate it. Now, I think. I think you could probably. You could probably get him as an undrafted free agent, so you probably don't have to actually draft him. Yeah. Um, but they need a kicker. They they need a ki- because the thing. And I I took Riley Patterson in my in my mock draft and as the last pick. But like, you need a kicker just in the fact that like Nick Folk is here, which is great, and we're I'm fine with Nick Folk. But they need a they need another guy. Right. And yeah, the no. kid, yeah, from, they, need, they need to set up for the future at the position. Who the hell is the, who's the kid that got drafted in the second round a few years ago that they picked up um, who couldn't kick oh, the ball all of a sudden? Ricky, uh, Roberto Aguayo. That's it. Aguayo. Aguayo was, was the most accurate kicker in, in college football history and then came to the pros and couldn't hit a field goal. So, yep. uh, you know, who knows if he can turn that around? It doesn't seem like he's going to. But, um, but, anyways, so where, uh, where are we going to go here on these last two picks? I love, I love the idea of taking a running back. Um, in one of these last two picks, if you're, if your guy is, uh, Kenny and, and Guanu, I'm fine with that. Uh, cause my guy's going anyway. So either one's fine. Uh, so you want to do that now and then, and then take something else in the final pick, or you want to do something now and then take that in the final pick, whatever you want to do. Yeah, let's go for it. Let's take him and then kind of see the best player available at, at, the, at the back end. 
All right. So final pick of the draft, pick, pick 190. Well, final pick of the draft for the Patriots, at least. Pick 197. Um, apparently, we don't have a seventh-round pick. Do we not have a seventh-round pick? That's interesting. Zero seventh-round I think. Picks. I think we got rid of it on one of the earlier trades. I think you're right. Oh, oh, we did. You're right. We did. Yep. You're right. I remember because I made that comment about not having to draft someone in the seventh round. Look at this. It's come back. We're like, all right, this is good. This is good. We don't have to draft the guy here. Um, all right. So we have Cameron Bynum from California, Tariq Thompson from San Diego State, Twake, uh, Taquan Graham from Texas, Trey Brown from Oklahoma, who that's not a bad pick. Trey Brown from Oklahoma, Jacoby Stevens uh, from LSU, Richard LeCount. Richard LeCount. Thank you. From Georgia, I'm looking at it like it. It looks like count, but I'm like, eh. <laughs> Thomas Graham from Oregon, William Bradley King from Baylor, Radley Cole from South Alabama, and then on the offensive side of the ball, we have Larry Brown from Missouri. Larry, no, that's not that's not right. Larry Barham from Missouri, Frank Darby from Arizona State, Jimmy Morrissey from Pittsburgh, Amada Baby, obviously the wide receiver from Illinois, Javian Hawkins, Felipe Franks, Cornell Powell. Robert Jones, Larry Roundtree, Tamarin Terry, Dan Moore, Jack Anderson, Alaric Jackson. Like, I don't know. I, offensive line, I just feel like offensive line at the end of the draft is where I was the just about usually go. An right? interior guy. Let's let's look at the interior guys. So let's take a look. So offensive guard, we have Larry Borum from uh, Missouri, Robert Jones from Middle Tennessee, Greg Elan from Mississippi State, Jack Anderson from Texas Tech, Sedarius Hutcherson from South Carolina, Tommy Kramer from Notre Dame. Uh, and then Jimmy Morrissey from Pittsburgh at center, Harry Kreider. I, these guys are like undraftable guys. I think. <laughs> uh, they're like rated 350. I mean, my God, dude, 350. Yikes. Larry Moore is the highest rated. I don't know if that means anything to you, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking it's Ben Cleveland. Do you see his name anywhere? Did he get drafted already? I'm pretty sure Ben Cleveland already got drafted. Okay. Um, I'm going to be honest. He's the only interior guy that I would know this far back. Right. Um, I mean, there's, there's guys like we could even take a guy. I mean, that's listed as a tackle because yeah. some of these guys right. are listed at tackle and are never going to play tackle. Like, like a Lark Jackson. Yes. Yep. Exactly. Cause left tackle uh, ability and versatility doesn't block with nasty attitude. Must improve the strength of the base, like bends the waist, but like, yeah, he started it. I mean, he started like, see, this is my thing. He started at Iowa for three years. Like if you start yeah. Iowa for three years, how bad can you really be? Yeah, no, exactly. As an offensive I'll lineman. I'll bet on a Big Ten <laughs> offensive lineman every day of the week. Right. You know, it's like, like betting on a it's like betting on a quarterback from, like, I wouldn't say quarterback because there's no good bets on quarterbacks, but like a receiver from the SEC. Like it's right. it's right. a pretty damn good bet. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Those are good odds. So let's do that. So we'll do a Larry Jackson from Iowa, um, because just because you're right. Or do you want to do Larnell Coleman? From UMass, so I've actually I've actually talked about him a little bit. That he, I think he's a perfect guy to change over to play guard at the next level. Yep. Even though he's got great size, like that's his thing is that he's got great size, but he's an athlete. Yeah. And you know how much they love their athletes at guard, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. they don't really have that with with Unwenu. So if if God forbid one of them gets hurt, those guards, you're going to need kind of an athletic guy. Um. Are you, are you going to want one? I completely forgot about Lionel Coleman. I like that pick. I think I that's mean, just in the spirit of the fact that yeah. UMass won the championship last National week. champs. Baby. You were there. Like, I feel like, I feel like there's a nice, there's a nice real, like cyclical thing. You know what I mean? It just, it just yeah. lines up very nice. And I've, I've got the inside scoop. The Patriots did meet with him twice. Look at that. Look at that. See? Yeah. They met with, yeah. they met with him at his pro day. They met with him one other time. It was actually reported by our guy Justin M. Um, from the Draft Network. So, yep. Look at that. If you're meeting with the guy twice, you got to like something about him. Agreed. I agree. So, all right. So here we go. So here's our here's our uh, our draft. We traded back a few times here. Uh, so we had picked. We had picked 15. We traded back 15. Traded out. Um, back all the way back to 26. Um. And I think I think the deal was hold on, do I have hold on, for forty two and then two other like day two picks? Well we had yeah, twenty six. I think we got twenty six a second rounder, and then did we get sixty two from them? 
I believe so. I don't know. No. Oh, it was fifty nine. The, the problem is I don't. The problem is I traded away that pick. So, anyways, we whatever. Another trade. Yeah. So we so we had fifteen. We traded back to twenty six. Then we had twenty six. We traded back again and got forty two and seventy six. So the people were the people were rioting. They were very upset. <laughs> but then we saved ourselves. No more trades. We drafted Baron Browning at forty two, the linebacker from Ohio State. Carlos Basham Jr., the edge from Wake Forest at forty six. Jalen Mayfield, the offensive tackle at Michigan. Oh, I lied. We did trade back three spots, but we picked up an extra fourth round pick next year to uh, to move back a few spots and pick up Jalen Mayfield. Amari Rogers, the wide receiver from Clemson at 76. Dwayne Eskridge, the wide receiver from Western Michigan at 96. Tyler Shelvin, D tackle from LSU at 120. Jamie Newman, quarterback from Georgia at 122. Caden Stearns, safety from Texas at 139. Benjamin St. Juiced, cornerback. From Minnesota at 177, Kene Nganwu, uh, the running back from Iowa State at 188, and Larnell Coleman, the offensive tackle from the University of Massachusetts Amherst <laughs> at 197. And just just UMass. Wrote... You don't have to say Amherst. No, the... People that's know. True. That's a good point. You have to say Lowell because no one knows that school. But that's very true. That's very true. Yeah. Uh, and we also picked up a second. And a fourth round pick from next year, second round pick from Cleveland, and a fourth round pick from Green Bay. So, uh, overall, I'm pretty damn happy about how it ended up. Um, you know, traded out. Obviously, most times we're looking to trade uh, to to kind of trade back uh, or to trade up. I should say the majority right. of the time, but I think in this case, I like the idea of us doing that um, and trading back and getting the guys that we got. I I thought. I thought really worked out well. Um, so, you know, that's, again, it, it may may not be the most popular draft we've ever done. Uh, <laughs> probably won't be, right? But um, but I I really enjoy the way it went, so. No, yeah, it's, it's a, I think it's a really good kind of prediction that they're not going to double dip too much, maybe right. at receiver, but not really any other position. Just build up the depth as much as possible. That's That's what we're really looking for right now, so. Yep, um, I agree. Yeah, they did a good job. What would we pick? Eleven players at ten different positions. That's yeah, I think you're right. Yep, yep. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's exactly what we're looking for. And again, we are kind of up against kind of it. Applause. We are kind of up against it as far as like the number of people on the team. So yep. you know, but yeah, like you said, depth, 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 depth. Like that's what we're doing. You know, so I like it. And you're building for the future next year because you picked up an extra second rounder and an extra fourth rounder. So you got some. You got some some picks to play with next year too. So, all right. I think that's going to do it for us. That was, this is a lot of fun. Um, you know, and, uh, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Old Wally Pip's coming back next week. We'll, uh, we'll see what, <laughs> we'll see what happens. I mean, that was, that was the first game. We'll, uh, we'll right. See I mean, Hey, you never know. Right. Like so. two for four with a double and a, and a dinger. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know if you can bench that guy. So we'll I mean, see, just, you know, We'll keep you. We'll keep you active for the next few weeks, and then we'll just see what happens. You know, right? Spags me playing for his playing for his job when he comes back. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, that's all we got. Thanks for listening, guys. Thanks for coming out uh, tonight. We appreciate it, and uh, and we'll talk to you soon. When you listen to this, if you listen to this on Friday, we are less than two weeks away from the NFL draft. Let's go! Like I'm very excited about this. Best time of the year. It is absolutely it. So. All right, guys, have a great night, and uh, and we'll talk to you soon. See you.